all persons who recognize that we are to be in an ongoing relationship with God, if we all recognize that we are called to develop and deepen our faith, if we recognize that we're called, known, uh, no, revealed in the word of God, that we are to put our faith into action, then we acknowledge that we are called disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus. Disciples means, one way to look at it, lifelong learner. Lifelong learner. Whatever we have received However, we are, it's becoming a lesson in our lives. However, it's ch uh, shaping our lives. We are to extend that difference and show it and reflect it so that our life is a life song of Jesus Christ. Do we recognize ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ? With that definition of many, I'm sure. But can you say today... Do you want to say today, do you want to reflect on how you are a lifelong learner of Jesus? There is a quote, rather famous, and it says, children need models not critics. Parents, family members, educators, staff, leaders, and for all of us, persons of any influence in any moment in our lives, take this with you. Children need models, not critics. Step two, if you recognize yourself as a child of God, children based on their age and children based on how we see ourselves as children of God, would you agree that you would benefit of having more of an example, a model, or a critic over you? Okay. All children, all children need models over critics. Research experts in psychology, human behavior, sociology will conclude that human beings respond better and reflect more effectively what it means to live a life with purpose when they receive positive influence and support over critics. People can rise to the occasion despite critics because of their own drive, because of faith alone gets them through it. Amen for that. That is true. But what is also true is that we're never to eliminate or reduce the impact that God has and wants to have over us, calling us to build one another. We are disciples making disciples. So we are to be, above all, role models. Over critics, role models. Before I read a few verses from Proverbs chapter 3, 
we are invited to read 12 verses. I'm going to read the first six, and I'm going to encourage you to read the rest of it sometime this week. So I'm going to start this off, and hopefully you can take that um, commitment and read the rest of the, of the chapter. So Proverbs 3, verse 1 through 6, and we'll leave that for a second here. I want you to keep in mind a few things about the writers of the Proverbs. The writers of the wisdom literature, Proverbs, among other books in the Bible, are considered the wisdom literature. So the authors of the wisdom literature sought to instruct the next generation. One of the objectives for us to read Proverbs is to remember their initial purpose was to give instruction to the next generation, to give instruction that would be passed along from one generation to the next. You would see, you would notice in the writing how they collect experiences and they address sometimes specific circumstances. If you read the rest of the verses, you will notice descriptions of um, the first fruits and something about harvest. Basically, they're resonating with their audience. The context in those times had to do a lot with agriculture, with fishing. So today, we understand that, we take the lesson, and because we're passing it to the next generation, and yours, by the way, I don't know that I necessarily think that we would resonate with thinking that all of us, or most of us, do for a living fishing, right? So I will change that piece, not because I'm changing the truth of it and the meat of it. What's non-negotiable is non-negotiable, the truth of it the core of it. And then it is up to us as disciples, making disciples, to make it come to life as applicable today. Okay? A great deal of the Proverbs implies that wisdom, the wisdom literature that is to be passed on from generation to generation, is also understood as a wisdom, a constant reflection that is hidden with God. The word hidden doesn't mean mystery that can't be found. Hidden in the sense of you can find it and only be found in the presence of God, can be found in God. So it's with God, and we are to prayerfully pursue it. How? It's recorded here as instruction, so let's value the word of God, and let's read it. And let's ask for wisdom to interpret it correctly and graciously. That's where prayer comes in. And the practice of being a disciple who understands that we need to continue learning, we are pursuing God's wisdom. So with that in mind, I will read the first six verses. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6. My child. Anybody here a child of God? Amen, this is for you. And let's think of our student life. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
What commandments? I don't know. Pursue it. Find out. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and abundant or significant purposeful welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Rather, keep them so close to you, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet. Yes, they had tablets back in the day. Tablets of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The word of the Lord for the people of God. My child, it's already a loving term. Look at the model that the wisdom literature is given us and how we are to model and not be critiques. There is instruction needed that tells me I am in my identity to be a lifelong learner. Do not rely on your own insight. Let me say something to that. The more one relies in God, the more independent one becomes. How is that? The most God-dependent persons who are then the most apart or independent from what harms, tempts, distracts, and distorts, you become. Do you see the difference? The more I'm dependent of God, the more independent I am from the things that will harm me. That's what it means to be independent and stand on my own two feet, but only because foundationally I depend wholeheartedly in God. It's not to be independent from God or apart from God. I am to anchor and rely on God always. And if you want to be able to stand in your own two feet and go for things and aspire, depend on God and you will be independent. But understanding that definition, lean not on your own understanding, wisdom, practice, continue, CPR once in a while is not enough for me. And a life depends on that. If your life depends on God's wisdom, and it does, by the way, seek it, for you will find God pursuing you as well. What do we do with the teachings? The verse 1 and 2 speak to that. Place them in your heart. Interesting. Teaching to the heart. I'm not a nurse. I don't have medical experience, but I know something about the heart. It's essential. It's at the center. 
at the center, so much so that everything else functions as long as the center is pumping. And the teaching of God is to be at the center so everything that is functioning is functioning according to God. Amen. Tablet, why that figure of speech? The tablet, think of the mosaic tablets, the commandments that were written and carved into the tablet so people wouldn't remember and it would be passed along to the next generation. So think of your heart as that tablet, as a source that you go to to learn about life. And when we have what we have learned falls apart, one plus one will always equal two. But when things in life happen and the one plus one does not equal two when it should. Our faith is shaken. We lose our way because it's you're lost. But if we rely always and understand ourselves always as child and disciple, you go back to the source of wisdom for he will make our paths straight. Do we want that? Do we really want that? Don't be independent in the sense that you seek God perhaps, you know, once a year during CPR trainings or once a week on Sunday morning. Come and receive the calling. Be nurtured, be filled, be inspired. And then be challenged to continue that work outside of this room. Pass it on to your family and to the next generation. I want to give sufficient time to ask now for a moment for your participation to bring to life what it means to welcome, to say that we commit to be models of love and not critics to those around us. This week, most of our students start school. I ask a few how excited or how ready they are. I've gotten a, I'm ready. This morning I got a, mm. And some are really nervous. I remember first being newbie in the cafeteria. Where to sit is one of the most important decisions you make your first day of school. I would like to invite our leaders who spend and invest their time and efforts to lead the next generation, our teachers here today, our educators, our student ministry leaders, by invitation, if you may come forward so that the church prays with and over you. Students, young college students, going back to school adult students, if you're in this place, this is your time. We would love to pray with you. We understand the value of doing life together, supporting, 
and building one another. So I'm going to ask if Chris is here, Pastor Hoseas, who came back uh, from blessing the backpacks. They had an event um, with pajamas earlier today. And I'm going to ask you to help pray for them, for me, for us. I'm going to ask Stephen Ministers if they're available as you see people come forward to help us pray. And I'm going to ask any students and families, come, we would like to pray for you as you start school and this new journey as a student. By invitation alone, if you may come forward. Hoseas, we're going to pray for Chris first. You want to be anointed, we will have that for you as well. And I am going to ask for us to pray first for Chris, who will start the ministry schedule this Wednesday. And I hope that we can all be there, we'll be there, and um, thank you, Chris, for your leadership. Church. As you sit and support us in prayer, will you extend your hand to Chris? I then invite you to take breaks because it's a lot. Take breaks. And then as you can, though, continue doing that so you remain engaged. This is very important that you remain engaged. The name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bless Chris. As you have set him apart, you have anointed him to lead as you continue to shape his leadership. Bless him, fill him, lead him, guide him, sustain him. And those who are part of his team, help them, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Take a break with your hands, <laughs> but remain engaged. So here is what, educators, faculty and staff and students, correct? If you can, I would like you to take um, a, a space we do have at the prayer rail so that we can make contact with each of you as you come. We will make space. We may just take turns, we will make space. In church, this is what it's like to build. This is the time, this is the place we've come together to be part of the kingdom of God. It's a big deal. It's the beginning of a new semester. Do your part, do your part, pray for them. Pray for those of uh, uh, your family members who are not here but are, uh, but are here. Let's pray for them. Amen? Let us pray. <clears throat> 